Welcome to this podcast where we come together as little warrior princesses to light our souls, ignite our passion, pathway, and purpose, and love ourselves, our family, and the world. I am here with Julie Clough, mom, wife, and build a life after loss podcaster, author of Miracles in the Darkness, and grief coach. She hopes that her experiences can bring light and encouragement to others who are grieving. She and her husband, Ron, have six beautiful children, including two angels and 10 grandchildren. She shares a message of hope across many platforms, including podcasts, national radio, and television. Welcome, Julie, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Melinda. Good to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to dive right in and ask the loaded question, um, if you would mind sharing your journey and story with us and how and why did you decide to become a grief coach? Yeah, for sure. So uh, in 2007 on Mother's Day, I was driving across the country. We lived in Houston, Texas at the time. And I, my three youngest children, I have six children, like she mentioned, like you mentioned a minute ago. Um, I have six children. My three youngest were with me and we were driving from Houston, Texas to North Carolina. And it was Mother's Day and we'd gotten up early in the morning. We'd loaded up the car and we were headed headed east and hoping to do it in one long stretch and and actually hoping to get there before dark. <laughs> that was the plan. So we took off from Houston and my children that were with me, James was 12 at the time and he was sitting next to me in the front seat and Carrie was 10 and David was eight and they were in the back seat and they had their toys and their snacks and all that good stuff. And I was just hoping everybody would behave and we'd have a good trip. We were heading out to visit my in-laws. They lived in the, in the country in North Carolina. We we're going to spend a week out there with them. And I was looking forward to the kids playing and cause they lived on five acres and they had like a little stream at the bottom of their property. And it was just going to be a fun week. So we take off from Houston and we start heading East and we just had this fantastic trip. Like it couldn't have been a more beautiful day and everybody just seemed to be getting along and everything was just going beautifully. In fact, it was going so well that I stopped, we stopped to get something to eat. And I told the kids have whatever you want, which is like, unheard of. Like, I would never have said that. I would have said, pick something from the dollar menu or whatever. Right. But I just like, have whatever. I was feeling really generous. And so they, they picked out their snacks and their, their lunch. And we had lunch and we headed back on the highway and driving along. And we were right near the border of Mississippi and Alabama heading East. And my daughter was in the back seat with her brother and she said, I'm going to slide over. She had been in the middle seat sitting next to David. And she says, I'm, I'm going to slide over. He was, he was finally starting to bother her a little bit, <laughs> the little brother. And um, as she moved from the middle seat to the seat behind me, she said, I love you, mom. Happy mother's day. And, and it was just so sweet. I just remember that that moment. And then she moved over and I heard this seatbelt click in and we went on our way. And what seems like seconds later, I'm sure it was probably 30 minutes, whatever it was, all of a sudden I woke up in the middle of the median between the eastbound and the westbound lanes. 
and I had fallen asleep and I'd ha I had no recollection of even ever being tired. And I felt, you know, I woke up and bouncing along in the median. And when I like quickly went to go bring the Suburban back up on the highway, I could feel, you just felt the wheels just lift off the road, lift off the ground. And we just started to roll and we rolled and rolled and rolled until we were on the other side of the highway. And when we stopped, I couldn't see anything. I hit my head or, and I, you know, my eyesight was gone, but I knew it was just horrific. It was just a horrific feeling to have just been tousled in this car and I could hear James next to me crying. So I knew he was at least alive, but I didn't know how injured he was, but I could tell he was in distress. And as my eyesight came back, I was, I mean, I was frantically calling for Carrie and David because I, I didn't hear them. There was no answer from the back seat. There was no, they, they weren't saying anything. I couldn't hear them crying anything. And as my eyesight came back and I started looking around the car and I saw just all the shattered glass and I saw our stuff everywhere. I just saw the destruction around me. And I was looking back in the back seat and I didn't see them. And then as, as I looked off to the left, I saw people starting to gather in the grass on the side of the highway. It just felt like it was yards away from the car. And Carrie and David had been thrown from the car as we rolled. And so they were out on the side of the highway. And I just knew... I just knew that our lives had changed forever. I didn't know what the, what the outcome was going to be, but I knew that our lives were changed forever, no matter what. And a stranger came over, you know, this man came over to the car and he says, you know, what can I do? And he gave me his phone. So I called my husband who was still in Houston. And I said, we've been in an accident. Carrie and David have been thrown from the car and I have no idea if they're gonna live or die. That's where it was at. And then two ambulances showed up and carted Carrie and David off to one hospital and James and I off to another hospital, put us on striker boards. And I laid on that striker board at the hospital with no answers. And the, as I would ask the nurses, I'd say, what about Carrie and David? What about, and they'd say, well, you know, we're trying to get information. We're trying to get information. We'll let you know when we hear something, but Lots of time went by and there were no answers and nobody was giving me any answers. My, my aunt and uncle, actually, I had an aunt and uncle that lived just two hours south of where we were and they rushed to the hospital. And when they got there, they put Ron on the phone. And that's when he told me that they didn't make it. And that's when I learned that Carrie and David had died. And that was the beginning of a like really, really, really hard, hard months ahead. Hard months, hard years ahead. So your husband, they had actually told your husband that they had passed before they had told you mm -hmm. um, in hopes to help you heal or what do you, why, why do they do that? Do you know? You know, I don't have any idea and, and it's interesting. I've never really, we've never even talked about it, um, about why that was the way it was. I think because I was injured and I was already like physically 
um, stunned and, and they weren't sure what my injuries were. They were worried about just kind of coming out and telling me without having that buffer. I'm, I'm guessing mm -hmm. that was the case. I think that's why they waited for my aunt and uncle to get there. Um, yeah. James, right about that same time, they told me that James needed emergency surgery. So they wheeled me into the other room to talk to him before he went into surgery. Uh, he had broken his leg and, um, and needed, yeah, needed surgery for that. But there were so many miracles. I mean, it's one of the reasons when I, I wrote a book about it recently, and it just came out this summer. And the reason I called it miracles in the darkness is because it was a tragedy. And yet there were so many miracles that happened during that experience that I couldn't deny that God's hand was in the experience. Yeah. When, when we were rolling, I heard a voice that told me to bring my arm in. And a couple of months after the accident, my uncle called me and he says, I just saw somebody on TV that was in a rollover accident, a dancer that was in a rollover accident and lost her arm. And wow. two years after that, I personally met a woman we moved from Texas to Kentucky and I, I met a woman who had lost her arm in a rollover accident about the same time of my accident, maybe a few months before. So I don't know why, you know, I'm grateful that I was spared that in addition to losing my children. You know, another thing that happened just in that moment was that James needed the surgery to relieve the pressure that was on his leg. And the surgeon that did the surgery was, was the one that developed it. Like he, you know, oh. the hospital was named after his family. And I remember one of the attendants saying, I don't even know why Dr. Rush is here. Like, <sighs> I don't know why he's here. It's mother's day. He, I wouldn't think that he would be here. And I'm like, I know why he's here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was just so many blessings and miracles that attended the whole thing, but that, that, that made it easier in the long run, but it certainly didn't make it easy. It was really, really difficult. And, it, and I spent a lot of months and weeks blaming myself for what happened and questioning why I never felt tired or why I, and, and we were used to traveling across the country and we had six children and uh, we had a big car and that was the best way to travel. And our family lived in the East and we lived in the, you know, we lived in Texas. We were used to traveling. We were used to jumping in the car and, and driving across the country to see family. So it wasn't anything unusual, but yeah, there was a lot. I, I heaped a lot of blame on myself. Yeah. And so you talk a lot about the emotional part of it, which is huge, right? I, the question I had that came to my mind, so maybe some of the listeners might have a similar question, but what kind of physical pain did you feel or do you even remember during that event? Yeah. You talk about bringing your arm in and that really is what saved your arm. But um, as you talk about James, he was crying. Um, the it was, was he in pain? Was he scared? What kind of pain did you endure during that event? You know, the, the pain was mostly emotional. You do, um, I mean, I would say 80, 90%. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I, when I was laying on that striker board, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing what the circumstances were, I would, you know, I just, I was just laying there crying because I knew that it was not going to be good in the long run. Like I, in fact, when I realized that Carrie and David had been thrown from the car, I immediately knew that they were either both gone or they were both still here because they just had such a special bond with each other that I couldn't imagine a world without, you know, with one of them, you know, with them separated, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that was, I, I just kind of, I realized that almost immediately, but there were moments while I laid on that striker board where I was able to, to go internally to my savior and feel some peace in that moment. And that was a relief. I love how you mentioned their relationship with one another and how that's a miracle in itself that, you know, it's, I'm, my mother had, has lost her first child out of eight. And, um, and it's a, I know through the pain that she's been through that, you know, no one ever should have to lose a child. Um, but how amazing it is that you know that they're both com comforted, you know, that you don't have to have watch one be without the other when their relationship was so close. I'm sure that that feels like a tender mercy to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, and I always knew that they were okay. I, I never questioned that they weren't okay. I knew that, you know, whatever the other side looks like, I had faith that you know, God was taking care of them and that they were, they were okay. But it was just a question of how, do, how am I going to be okay through this? this tragedy and that, and, you know, how's my family going to be okay? Um, and I think that was the big, the big battle. And it, yeah. At, at what point did you, um, maybe the time, I'm not sure how, how it works, what you would know more as a grief coach, but at what point in time did you decide I'm going to help others who have, who have to have go through this, like I have went through? Well, it definitely, it definitely was not a quick process because I, I went through three years of a pretty severe um, depression and anxiety, just, you know, really trying to figure things out. Like I, I'd always been a pretty competent person. I was always pretty capable. And all of a sudden I found myself not capable, you know, not able to do the things that I'd done in the past. Although I tried, you know, I, I dove back into life at, in different points and in different ways. And, um, and, and then at the three-year mark, another miracle happened that kind of lifted that, that pain and that experience that I was ha having. And, and then it was about two years old. So in 2012, my mom was living in California uh, she'd been living in Nashville. She'd moved out to California for a year. And I went, I flew out to California to help her drive her car back to Nashville. And she wanted me to meet these people that she'd been working with. She'd been volunteering in an employment center. And she wanted me to meet these people that she'd been working with. And she was just super excited. She kept telling me, this woman reminds me so much of you. You've got to meet her. So we went to lunch when I got out there and 
this, the, the woman my mom had been working with, her husband came with us and he told his story about having um, depression, like um, bipolar depression. Like it was severe and it went undiagnosed for years. And he told the turmoil that happened through all of that and, and the ups and the downs and the, and the failures and successes and how hard that was on his family. So he's telling us about all that. And then my mom said, Julie, tell him, you know, about your story. And I thought, oh, do I want to go there? But I did. I shared my story. And as we were leaving lunch, he stopped me as we were coming to the front door of the restaurant. He stopped me and he kind of, he touched me on the arm and we, and turned me kind of face to face. And he said, you're supposed to do something with this. And it went right into my heart. And I knew that that message wasn't just from him, that it was bigger than that. And that's when I knew I was supposed to do something, but I had no idea what that looked like. I had no idea what that looked like. And about three years later, about three years later, I had a similar experience where I had been going to a massage therapist and she had some other modalities that she worked on too. And at one point she said to me, you're supposed to be doing something with this. And I went, I know, tell me what it is. <laughs> and, and I just was on this constant search. I was on this constant search for what is that? What is it I'm supposed to be doing? And it was just a few years ago that I started working with a coach and I had, I was running a business. I was running our, our family business. We own three franchises of a business and I, I was feeling really overwhelmed and like, I wasn't taking good care of myself and I was trying to figure out how to balance my life. And, and I, I, I had this thing, like, I just, I want to hire a coach. And I ended up interviewing a few coaches I ended up hiring somebody and in that process, about four or five weeks in working with her, I thought, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do because I had actually a few years ago, I actually enrolled in college to go back to college, to study psychology, to become a therapist. And almost immediately I knew that wasn't right. That just what it didn't sit right. didn't feel right. It was like, nope, that's not it. And, and so I unenrolled and canceled, you know, all of that. And, and then when I had this experience with this coach, I was like, this is it, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but it wasn't like, okay, this is it. And then all of a sudden it just happens. It was a process. It was like, okay, this is the understanding of the direction, but now I need to know like the next step and the next step and the next step. And so it's just evolved. And, and kind of my first I did a lot of training and then I launched a podcast two years ago, build a life after loss. And I launched that podcast. And that was kind of the beginning of really sharing with people this just hard experience of grief. Like it's normal and it's natural. The thing that scares me the most right now, and I, and I, that's maybe sounds strong, but there are so many messages out there now that say, if you're grieving, you're going to grieve the rest of your life. And if there's one thing, if there's one message I want here, people to hear, it's that 
You do not need to grieve the rest of your life. Grief is a season. It's not a lifetime. It's a season. And it was a season for me. And we, what, what happens is we get, one of the reasons we feel like it's going to be a lifetime is because the loss is still there. Like my kids didn't miraculously come back. They're, they're still gone. They, they died. They're, there's no reversing that. So a lot of times people think, well, I can't recover the loss. Therefore, I have to grieve that loss the rest of my life. And especially when you have a tight bond with a husband or a wife or a mother or a child or whatever that is, it feels, if it makes sense to think that you have to, we have, we have created the bond between that person as grief. But our bond between us and the person lost is not grief. It's still love. And when we can, we can work through the pain of grief, that sea of adjustment and reconcile and rebuilding, when we can work through that season, then we can, we can truly strengthen the bond of love and gratitude that we have even though we can't change what's happened. And that was something that we, we mentioned in the last podcast with Wileen Benson, um, is how amazing it is finding gratitude and tender mercies in those trials of our life, um, which is easy to say, right? Um, but, how, but finding that gratitude after you've lost someone, just thank you so much for sharing that with us. Any any other um, tools that you would that you would be able to share with us on how to see grief as a season? Yeah, and, and to, to speak just a little more to this idea of gratitude, we can have moments of gratitude, even in our grief. Even in our grief, we can have moments of gratitude, moments of happiness, and those things can start to help us bridge that you know, going from grief to, to rebuilding. Um, and those, those things really, really help. One thing that I, I had, I lost my brother to suicide. I had gone through a divorce previously. Like I was well acquainted with grief, but this took on a whole nother, it was just a whole nother level. And I, you know, I say that my, um, my mission found me and I accepted. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, grief experience after grief experience. And so it was really a, a learning experience for me. And I, I, I was familiar with this idea of being grateful for our struggles, grateful for our trials. I was familiar with that and I had experienced it on some level. But I, in my mind, I thought there is no way I'm ever going to be grateful for losing my two kids. And I just thought that was just an impossibility. And then about six years after they died, I was reading something. I don't even remember what I was reading, but I can remember exactly where I was and what I was doing. And I remember this gratitude just washing over me for my experience. No, not for losing my kids, but just for the experience that I could have never ever 
had without this tragic, horrible loss. And, I, you know, the, another thing that happened was a year after, because they died on Mother's Day. So it'd be really easy for Mother's Day to just become this horrible event every single year. But the first anniversary, our oldest two daughters were off at college and we were still living in Texas and, and they surprised us. We didn't know they were coming home and they flew home. My, both my daughters and my um, oldest daughter, she was married by this time. She got married six months after the kids died. So she and her husband and her, you know, my other daughter flew home and surprised us. We came home one night, you know, and they were there. And I remember sitting in church that Sunday on Mother's Day. With my four kids that were still here and having my daughters home. And I was just, I just felt so grateful to be a mother. I felt so grateful for all of my kids. And Mother's Day has taken on a whole different meaning. It's, I'm grateful to be carrying David's mother. You know, if, they're, if they were only going to be here for eight and 10 years, I'm grateful to have been part of their eight and 10 year journey. And it just changed my whole outlook on Mother's Day, on being a mother, on my gratitude for being their mom. Thank you for sharing those stories with us, Julie. Um, you asked about, you know, other, th I think you asked about other things that, that were helpful. I think the two big things that's helpful is, you know, one is, is kind of, well, maybe there's three. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things, but, you know, just if we were to pick out just a handful to, to share today, you know, one is to, to hold on to the hope that healing is possible for you, because I truly believe that healing is possible. But if we don't believe healing is possible, we won't put in the effort to heal. Like healing takes effort. And there's this, this thought that time heals all wounds. So a lot of times when something hard happens, we just naturally just kind of collapse and go, okay, I'm just waiting for it to show up. You know, time heals all wounds. So, okay, healing, come on. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm waiting. Come on and show up. And it just doesn't show up that way. We, we have to put through the, forth the effort. And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm great. One of the things that I'm grateful for is that I'd had previous loss experiences that informed my current, you know, that experience, you know, losing my brother was hard. Um, going through that divorce and, you know, losing that, that family unity that I thought I was going to have. And I've since remarried. Um, Carrie and David are actually, I have three children with my first marriage and three children from my second marriage. And Carrie and David were actually the youngest of our six. Um, but I had gone through these, this grief before and eventually, and with effort and with that hope, things got better. And even though this was like overwhelming, I had this sense that it was still possible. Like it's still possible somehow to rebuild, somehow to, to heal. And so 
super grateful for that, that I had that sense that I could heal. And so when healing came, what a blessing, but it's, it's hope and effort. We lose hope. We lose the effort. We lose the, the, we just don't even want to, why put forth effort for something that you, you don't believe is going to happen. And that's why I say earlier, that's what scares me the most is now that I'm in this space and I'm really kind of paying attention, you know, now that I'm in this space in this capacity and I'm really paying attention to the messages out there and the things that are being said, I've found face group, group book, um, Facebook groups for moms who've lost children that have a quarter of a million people on it. And it's message after message after message about how you're going to grieve the rest of your life. You're going to feel this pain the rest of your life. That's not helpful. It's not healing to get that, to indoctrinate ourselves with that idea Yes, it's hard. And so I understand why those messages are out there is because it, it's not easy. And when you're in it, I mean, there's days where it feels like this is never going to let up. This is just going to be my life for the rest of my life. But believing that it's possible and, and finding those role models, those people that have gone before that can show the way. This One of the reasons why I'm so so out there in telling my story and sharing my experience is because I, I want people to say, oh, well, if she can do it, maybe I can too. Yeah. You know, that's the big thing. It's like, this is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that message of hope with us. And so to re-step what you said, um, hold on to hope, put in the effort to heal, believe it's possible and find the role models and then, and get out there and serve. Mm -hmm. Basically what you're teaching us and encouraging us. Thank you, yes. Julie. So much. Is there yeah. anything that you would like to add to that? Yeah, just, you know, one last thing. It is hard. And so if you're listening to this and you're, you're going through grief and you're, I mean, it's just a struggle day in and day out and you're, you're getting to that point where it just feels almost desperate. Like where, where do I grasp? Where do I, what do I hold on to? What kind of effort can I put in? If that's your experience, then it's time to talk to somebody. And the way I see it, you have three options. You can continue to just search within yourself and, and grasp at straws and, and kind of go through that. Like it's super easy to get stuck when you're in grief, but you can, you know, you can rely on yourself and you can continue to do that. Or second, you can go searching for a friend or a family member that can be that guide for you and help you through. Or third, you can call someone like myself who is trained to support you in grief, it's trained to walk you through the path and to give you the steps to be by your side while you're putting forth the effort. So that's really the choice. And if, if the third choice is appealing, you know, I'm, I'm here to help. This is what I do. That's why I do the podcast. It's a free resource. Um, I have a book. You can actually read the first chapter on my website. If, uh, if you'd like to, to read that and um, yeah, so that's, that's why I do what I do.
Awesome. Oh, thank you, Julie, so much for your vulnerability and trusting all of us to share with us your journey and story. If any of you um, are finding yourself stuck in grief, please contact Julie. Um, I know that she has some amazing tools. We've learned from some of the same people, and she is awesome in her area of, of helping others to find a season out of grief. And so thank you, Julie, so much. Thank you, Melinda. Um, so act, so acting on inspiration and 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 coming out of that that grief that takes courage mm -hmm. um, here on this podcast we help one another find that courage the courage and that courage to enjoy our relationships our wins our success and even our failures um, we help one another find the courage to pray hope forgive and connect again we get it this is the place to clear the air, breathe, and condition our warrior strength together. Here on this podcast, we light, ignite, and love. We do this through stories, brainstorming challenges, practicing letting go techniques, and sharing wins, and igniting the power within to strengthen the little warrior princess in each of us by helping an example of a, by being an example of a little warrior princess, we encourage, influence, and inspire our men into becoming warriors who are aligned right. We are a gift to our men and to our families, and we are daughters of God. We forge onward with, we forge onward, and we reclaim our power and spread light. We ignite the strength within our families and shine love throughout the world. Together, we strengthen ourselves, our men, our families, and our homes, and we stand for truth. We stand for what's right. We are all little warrior princesses. Please join me next time where we will happily welcome another amazing guest helping us to forge onward, lighting up, igniting, and loving the world to our fullest abilities. Here we expand those abilities in one another. Until then, please check out littledoshastudio.com little for more tools on how to, I choose to light, ignite, and love every day. Um, and please, um, if, if you find that, you know, um, that you are struggling with grief, contact someone to help you. Um, contact Julie. And this is Melinda Nichols. I'm a little worried. A Dosha Warrior Princess, and I love you all. Bye-bye.